on the next episode of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. On this online edition of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, we're talking about the state of smokes. I'm going to cover some topics that were boiling around during season 11. So we have always have a lot of interesting conversation about kind of the state of some of the industries, you know, that we actually cover here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes. And, you know, the cigar area has been a very lively, you know, industry, you know, for something that's been fairly steady for a long period of time, there's still an awful lot that's going on. And part of what was happening is, is that they were just lumping in everything um, into one giant category of flavored tobacco. So, you know, we're all smoking something interesting tonight. I thought it, you know, take the time for us to just talk about the sticks that are in our hand. We'll be right back after this break. live from the dude in the basement studios why because that's where the good stuff is it sips suds and smokes with your smoke and host the good old boys It's time for Smokes. Hey, welcome to this interesting online edition of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Uh, this is our State of Smokes. The State of Smokes. So I just thought, you know, we have always have a lot of interesting conversation about kind of the state of some of the industries, you know, that we actually cover here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes. And, you know, the cigar area has been a very lively, you know, industry, you know, for something that's been fairly steady for a long period of time, there's still an awful lot that's going on. And uh, so I thought it'd actually lead off our discussion here with this bell ringer, bell, you know, bellwether uh, agreement that the PCA has struck with the FDA this year. So um, this is uh, an ongoing uh, measure of, I don't even think it was litigation. I think it was just a matter of legislative regulatory, you know, language just kind of was moving in from the FDA. Some big words. And part of what was happening is, is that they were just lumping in everything um, into one giant category of flavored tobacco. Um, and this was directly, you know, an offset of a lot of vape pens. I'm not going to mention any particular brands because I don't get sued by them. Um, but they rhyme with mool. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> and so part of, you know, they were really getting a lot of pressure as they should with, you know, abuse by minors with a yeah. lot of these products that were being, you know, introduced uh, into a lot of these products. And so the way they just attacked it is said, ban all flavors, including premium scars. In fact, you know, everybody's going to have to pay a huge tax, you know, on all of this, you know, on, on top of whatever you're paying now. So we were, you know, so premium cigar, you know, smokers were actually going to pay for the sins of something that they weren't even consuming at all. Yeah. You know? I mean, so, well, and even when, so 2016 is when it first got introduced yeah. and, uh, the first original document I know was like 400 pages. And the big thing was the fact that yes, the vape stuff and they had never really gone after that type of tobacco as far as regulations. Now, as we know, like we talk about on this show, premium cigars have so much more to do with heritage and flavor and complexity. And it's not this fix or premium cigars were here for 70 years before right. the vape pen was even right. Invented. Oh yeah, so, no, for sure. <laughs> right. It's like, but, like, mm, you know, I think we had a problem with what you've been doing for the last 70 years. I'm like, really? Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, and it's like there's the conversation of, well, what's in it? Well, it's tobacco. It is literally tobacco. Some of it's Sunlight. aged and fermented longer. Some's not. Um, but I, something I find very interesting, I actually had this conversation once with a guy who turned out to be a uh, attorney in D.C. for he sues 
uh, big cigarette companies and, and he's like a lobbyist and all that stuff. And we were talking about it, which it's cool. Cause I was able to have a conversation with him about cigars and open his perspective up. But we were talking and he was like, yeah, I know for a fact, all the FDA people that they brought in to handle that originally were all the people who handled big pharma. Uh, so it's like, of course you have these people who are used to regulating this drug and this thing and this pill and all that, who are like, well, what is this and what's in it? And it's just great that over time we've been able to come to the resolution with them of like a premium cigar is qualified as this. It is hand rolled. It is purely tobacco. It is these things. Um, Now I will say we still have dangers with flavored tobacco and that can affect our industry just as much. And I still think there's an importance in differentiating between machine made flavors and then regular flavored cigars because still regular flavored infused cigars the processes are still done in such a natural way yeah and they're also they're still supported by so many of the other brands that help help hold up this industry yeah. and help support this industry and so it's like like drew estates they're yeah one of the big I, I mean i mean acid cuba yeah. cuba was number four sold cigar in a row in america for like five years <sighs> it's a shame i know but it's but i like to tell people it's it's like starbucks coffee you have cream and coffee and sugar and there's lines out the yeah. door but T- you, the taste is subjective in the end is, of the day you know like i i, I just have to grit my teeth when i'm at a shop and i'm watching these people buy handfuls of these flavored cigars and i'm just like man i really hope one day that you get your training wheels off yeah but i mean i would much rather somebody come into an actual tobacco retailer oh sure right a premium cigar shop walk around interact with the person that's hanging out there that day right and running the shop and ask those questions you know because you know, I would much rather see somebody grab a handful of fat bottom Bettys or grab a handful of Javas or acids yeah, than stop than, than stop by their you know local gas station, pick up you know ninety nine cent white owls, yeah. right? Because you know I think that as far as this conversation goes, like those are the things that you're really looking to regulate, right? right. Things that the have short been processed in. Overly processed, if you will, right? I think there's still a level of, um, you know, complexity and and a level of care that goes into making some of these flavored cigars, right? And and, and as the industry and the world turns, right, we we want to be approachable to the people that are are new to the cigar industry, right, and wanting to get new into the cigar world. And, and, you know, it's not all the time that like something that I think is going to be smooth and easy and approachable is going to be something that is palatable to someone that, that wants to kind of see what that's about. Right. So like it, it's the same way I, I draw the lines to like the whiskey or the beverage industry. Right. There we, we've all had that instance where we're drinking some type of flavored whiskey flavored vodka right like a, yeah. mike's got a preference here as far as the he vodka goes the for sure. well yeah. i think that that is my observation about what's going on is that the slippery slope that this is introducing within the regulatory community because if you really start thinking about other things that could be on this slope would be going after the Spirits. same target audience so you Coffee. know they hey <laughs> yeah uh you know, they they start with, and you have to look at the the pattern that's they're going after things that actually end up being targeted marketed to minors in the U.S. And so, when you look at other things that fall in that category, why are they not going after flavored, you know, hard seltzers? Why are they not going after, you know, flavored whiskey? Why are they not going after, you know, I'm sure uh, just give it time. Other, you know, other flavored products that are going, you know, targeted after after that same you know demographic yeah so i mean that's in the 90s that's why they got rid of like smoking joe camel well i think the other thing is too is especially in the in the spirit industry a a lot of those marketing companies have some pretty firm lines about 
what they're able to do from a marketing perspective to promote the product where I don't see the same kind of guidelines in in the cigar world, right? Um, it, it's still kind of the Wild West is from a, like a marketing perspective, especially with a lot of the smaller companies and kind of how they brand it. Like there's some there's some brands that are out there and, and I, I guess they're technically retailers that have some like white label products made, but like very much so tiptoe on the lines of the things that they like and identify with, whether it be, you know, cartoons, comic books, right? These kind of more playful kind of juvenile ideas, you know, that that they're kind of tossing out there wholeheartedly is like their brand. Um, You know, now the product may not be something that's approachable to somebody that's, you know, not of age, but at, at the same time, right? Like, I, and I think you brought it up about the uh, Havana cigars in a, in a separate conversation, but like even in Canada, there's that like yeah. static brown wrapper that goes over the actual cigar band yeah, so, that's, so that it, it's not uh, appeasing to that, anyone. It was so strange for me to walk into a humidor in Canada and see the boxes. I knew the boxes. I knew what they were. But every cigar in every box, no matter the manufacturer, has a a brown band with white letters over it that says what the cigar is, and it's over top of the colored, nice, decadent bands mm, on them. Interesting. And every cigar, it just you, it's like walking into the doctor's office of cigars. Like it's the most Canadian thing ever. It's like I'm sorry that this is yeah, attractive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so it's so weird. One of the things that. It, one of the things that this brings to my mind in this conversation is the factories. So not only if, if the, the regulations become harder on the flavored cigars and try to push them out of the game, you got to think about the, the factories that, that that affects, the communities that build and manufacture these cigars that that affects. So now we're not only dealing with a uh, smoking demographic, you're now dealing with livelihood of of families and people and entire towns. One other observation I have about this, and it it's a well-established pattern from regula- regulators that if you can define it and you can stick a label on it, you can tax it. And how many things have we seen, you know, where that happens, you know, time and time again, where they go through a pattern of it's in a very broad category and then yeah. move to the point of having describing it in a distinctive way. And that leads to somebody walking up going, I know who you are. I know what, what that is. And I can, I can draw that up in a piece of legislation of saying, you're going to pay more money for that now right. because they have a way of, you know, distinctly identifying it. And so I think that that is the, that's the flip side of what the PCA has done here. I think that it's serving their need right now to exclude themselves out of the proposed regulatory language. But the flip side of the equation is that the folks at the TTB are licking their lips going, oh, so we can we can tax premium cigars different than the way we do other cigars yeah. because it has now been defined. That's the flip side. Yeah, what the guys at PCA are doing, Todd and, the, and them, are really stepping out and really just headstrong forefronting this this legislation and yeah. I, I think it's really great what they're doing with the P, with the PCA and the CRA and uh, man hats off to you guys for all the hard work you guys put into that yeah that is that is bravo and when we're in your corner buddies then we got you well let's move on I wish to register a complete I do, yes. So the topic I wanted to talk about was, you know, the availability of uh, Cuban cigars on a global basis. So I did a lot of international travel. Real ones travel. or fake ones? Well, you know, do you really know the difference? Uh, you know, I would say at, at this point. That's um, another episode coming. Yeah, always. Um, and, a ve- you know, very hot topic always, you know, when somebody asks us, what do you think of this Cuban? I think it's fake. Really? Dude, I paid, you know, an ungodly amount of money for this. It's supposed to be real. Um, so... Um, I guess the thing that I really observed as I was traveling all through Europe, you know, for a few months is the net effect that, uh, the it's having on Cuban cigar distribution. So, um, I actually went to Spain very much with the mindset of, I knew that that was ground zero to be able to pick up really great Cuban cigars. That is traditionally the, the number one distribution country, you know, for Cuba. And, Yet the amount of 
Cuban cigars that were available there was just a paltry, you know, amount of things that were available. And even with that, the retail prices were almost three times, you know, what That's they were on average. That's I mean, how they I were just, in Canada. I could not believe, you know, that, uh, you know, some sticks that I had smoked, you know, just even 10 years ago were three times the price. It was just unbelievable. Um, but, you know, speaking of fakes, the Cohibas were everywhere. Yeah. And uh, even as I traveled to other countries, I noticed the, uh, you know, how often I would pick one up and say, hmm, wow, that is not real. Right. And, uh, and it's, you know, as much as they have worked hard to try and thwart, you know, counterfeiting elements, you know, with the, uh, with, you know, putting holograms on the boxes, you know, of yeah. putting, you know, black light ink, you know, all over uh, the boxes, over the wrapper, even on, sometimes on the cigars themselves, yeah. you know, just how you know, pervasive it is. So the one thing that I learned out of all, you know, I was like, okay, so if the Cubans are not here, where did they go? And uh, surprise, surprise, China right is the the market number that one is, market is the number one market for Cuban sticks. So we met a, a couple of guys at PCA, oddly enough, um, that manufacture high end humidors. Ike and Henry, Henry, and they were absolutely talking about this how they China only buys local tobacco, right? So local Chinese blended cigars, and then. Cubans. It, it's literally like the only two types of premium cigar that you can purchase in China. Um, what was funny and, for me is that being the case, they were only smoking Davidoffs. Well, and I, and I, and I think uh, it, it I, I may have misspoke, but I think Davidoff is, is one of the one of the uh, ones that they'll let pass into, you know, the, the Chinese public. Right. Obviously, that's heavily regulated by the government there on what they're allowed to import from that perspective um but the other part of that is too is like uh the um the agricultural standpoint for cuban produced tobacco has also taken a big hit um specifically in the last year uh you know because hurricanes right and so they're trying to rebuild a lot of these places um, and who knows how much tobacco was lost there also. It's not a lot of state and money to go back a, and reinvest in, you know, a lot of those markets that, you know, they lost their number one customers when a lot of those farms were created. So, um, you know, I'd, I've got to believe that at the end of the day, China has not only displaced what they've lost to the USA, but they've probably tripled or quadrupled the amount of demand, you know, in the Chinese market. Would be my guess. I don't really know the exact numbers, but that would probably be, you know, how I think it went. Right. So I am nowhere near a Cuban expert at all, but I do remember reading some article this year about there was something that was done too, where they talking about the pricing, and I know that they had some way that they changed their pricing structure um, to where it is now supposed. And I don't know with taxing of different countries, but they're supposed to be like same SMR. MSRP, no matter the country, if you're in Spain or you're in Canada or you're in Singapore, like you're supposed to be, from my understanding, the way that they were creating it is they wanted everything to be the same cost. So obviously that's going to go to the higher end of where a country would carry it. And so, yeah, I mean, I, everywhere I've been hearing about these influx of prices and these influx of things. And then, and it's crazy because years ago I went to Cuba and it's also bizarre because are there any Cuban cigars in Cuba? Not really. There's not many there to buy. There's not, I mean, most of the stuff you're looking for and want, yeah, it gets shipped out. There's no point in keeping it in that country because mm. nobody can afford it. So, right. Well, uh, the other observation I had on that walkabout was uh, the interesting displacement that vape is having against several different categories, uh, both cigarettes as well as premium cigars. And so you would walk into, you know, these cigar shops and not only do they not have the Cubans, but in general, they would not even have like hardly any cigars. I mean, th there were several shops that I walked into. It was like they had five token boxes, you know, of cigars and the rest of their inventory were all vape pens or th they were, uh, 
you know, loose uh, cigarettes. Yeah. That reminds me of the time I went to Ireland and went to a very well-known pipe manufacturer in Dublin. And they had a humidor in the basement for cigars. And it was a very small humidor, probably, I don't know, six foot by six foot squared space. Not very, you could fit two people in it. And the, the, the Cubans that they had for sale in there, it was just a travesty. There was mold on some of them and it was just growing real weird and it didn't look appealing at all. So I didn't, I didn't buy any while I was there, but uh, you know, it just made me think about different industries and how they treat different things. You know, they were a pipe forward place. So like their pipes are out of this world, freaking phenomenal. But you know, the way that they, they act about cigars, it's funny to me. So that's a good transition point. Uh, and my resident expert sitting beside me here, how is how is TCH going to displace all of this? I have no idea. Because I see it really coming hard and fast because you have tremendous investment in the cannabis industry, both in the U.S. and Canada alone. The amount of money that is flowing yeah. you know, um, in legalized uh, operations for cannabis-based products is a huge. And... Yeah. The thing is, 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 is that going to displace people that would normally have consumed, you know, premium cigars as well? Are I don't, they, I don't think it will displace anything. It's a different, a very different demographic. I think there are a lot of cigar smokers that also smoke cannabis. And, uh, I mean, there's a good, think about, the, uh, um, Thor with Cigar Press Magazine. Like he also is a cannabis enthusiast, so he was working on a cannabis magazine as well, and it's it's crazy. He's like it's just they how they juxtapose together, because a lot of people in the industry also partake in cannabis, and and I haven't found anyone that goes one way or the other. They usually go both, hmm. you know. Well, I think you're going to produce the first uh, self-help video on uh, how to smoke dab. So Yeah, that will be a <laughs> sip, suds, and smoke. Well, and yeah, and honestly, exclusive. that conversation is really similar to like, oh, we've got this incredible new whiskey or this thing, or, you know, as far as alcohol goes. Will that take precedent over cigar? And it's like, well, why? A lot of people, I think, are finding the the marriage of the two or, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a, th- a thing that would overtake it because it still doesn't require the time and, and enjoyment that people would get out of an actual cigar. Getting- so, and, and just to definitely piggyback off that, like it, it's, it's the seltzer industry and, <laughs> and the alcoholic beverage industry, right? And like, you, you know, you can, I don't know what that chuckle meant necessarily, but everybody that makes some type of beverage, whether it whether it be hard liquor or not, has a seltzer, right? Because that's that's the hot ticket item, right? And and I think that that's kind of the same conversation yeah. that I, we're I, having. I saw a lot of brewers going, "I don't want to be uh, you know the world's best brewer. I want to make money, and I want to go where the flow is." Yeah. No, hundred percent. Very and, interesting choices. I, and I think that that conversation follows along the same lines of, of cannabis and THC. Right? Is like it's one of those things that's that's been around, you know, on, on the fringes of legality for such a long time, and now that there's an opportunity for it to be legal. Right, it's it's all of a sudden got this kind of buzz, if you will. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think six more states in the U.S. moved to legalize uh, marijuana in, in different Tennessee forms. One? No, um, but several more uh, have legalized it for medical marijuana, and I think two more added it yeah, for Kentucky recreational. Right. Yeah. So so two things. So the seltzer movement, I think, is a, is a good window into where the alcohol industry is moving like the beer industry the the lower abv industry is moving towards seltzer i feel like i think that sucks i think it sucks i feel like and this isn't probably the thoughts and views of opinions of sip sudden smoke this is my opinion i i think that the more seltzers you get the more lower age demographic of alcohol consumers you're hitting and you're hitting a lot of consumers that don't like beer and they don't like 
you know, hard alcohol, but they'll drink LaCroix like it's going out of style. Yeah, you know, and ABV is not as, as low had, there as, as you think. a ton of vodka yeah. to it at the same time. Well, you right. know, but what I'm saying is, is, is even then, you know, a classic seltzer, you know, four and a half, five percent, but they're even making like, what I, I dare call it high gravity, but I don't know a better term currently. But you know, high seltzer content. Yeah, hundred percent. Right, like <laughs> eight, an eight percent malt liquor beverage. Yeah, right. It's, um, it's, it's in my opinion, it's just ridiculous because I hate, I hate bubble water. I can't do it. But if it comes Ooh, in a juice I pack, I can't do it. I'll, uh, man, I'll rock the juice packs. The, the adult Capri Suns, I'm game. Big Machine, Cigar shout a, out. We love it. Cigar in a Topo Chico. That's the way. Uh, Amen, brother. No way. Can't do it. So it's two. The second thing I want to I talk about is the cannabis. So when we talk about the cannabis industry and what the effects it will have on the cigar industry, I think that the effects that it will have on the cigar industry is that the lobbyists and the legislatures will be too busy, for lack of a better term, with their heads up their asses with the cannabis industry, that they're going to even forget things about the cigar and they're just going to, it's going to fall to the wayside. Hmm. Well, uh, hopefully you're enjoying our discussion we're having about the state of smoke so far. You know, we're all smoking something interesting tonight. I thought it'd you know, take the time for us to just talk about the sticks that are in our hand. Benjamin, what are you smoking tonight? Yeah, so uh, I'm actually smoking one of my top three. Uh, this is going to be the uh, Cavalier Inner Circle. Um, it's the first edition. Yeah, first edition. That's my favorite. You know, I don't. I think you can still. I think you can still get them right. Like I. Yeah, they're, they're, out, they're still out your local tobaccoist. Regular production. Uh, yeah. Um, this thing is great, man. So uh, I was uh, thinking and, and putting my thoughts together about what I was going to bring and, and smoke here this evening. And I brought a couple of options, but this is definitely one of those. Uh, I wanted something. This is uh, oddly enough for me today. This is my first smoke of the day. So I wanted something that was a little bit more mild and meek. Uh, and I think that this one does it beautifully right like that that full flavor profile is there uh but it's not super uh strength heavy right it's probably like medium strength um and and this thing is on the edge of spicy right like maybe some more subtle baking spice as opposed to like pepper um or or any of those kind of abrasive spices yeah uh it's got some nice kind of cool woody kind of hickory notes to it um and and just for me is you know just a, a smooth draw it's uh comes in a like a bellicosa size um so you, you get to kind of play a little bit there uh with with how the draw works but the the draw is actually a little bit tighter on this one uh but the smoke production is incredible uh and and these things burn beautifully i do not recall a time currently where i've had any like burn issues I, I don't recall a time where i've had to like touch up a cavalier yeah i've smoked um, a bunch of them and, and i have not had a bad one mike kind of talked about this earlier uh on, on another episode but that um you get down to the nub and you go oh man crap this is, yeah, i can't believe it there's there's gotta be one more you know burning your lips on this thing the to, yeah right <laughs> oh, grab the roach clip yeah what's, yeah what's your rating on that stick this is a three for me oh wow cool <coughs> I'll, I'll second that three mm. barger what are you smoking tonight and why'd you bring it uh well i'm smoking a foundation matepe matepa matapa matapa see languages is hard for me <laughs> um and i i think it's the churchill size i'm smoking seven the double corona yeah um it's it's decent i mean it's uh, i just picked it up today and i had a little bit of construction issue with it um probably within my first two-thirds of it kind of got to where it wouldn't draw so i had to keep working at it but that could have been humidification i don't think it was quality because i really haven't had a bad quality from are you saying there's part of your truck ain't, ain't humidified yeah just the, the dashboard you know it's getting chilly out there uh but yeah, you know, the Foundation's making some really quality products right now, and and I'm I'm stoked to see what's coming out from them. And they just released a couple of really, really good cigars, which I haven't yeah. got to try yet. We're wanted, waiting. Yeah, we're, we want to really cover. I think it's the Aristocrat series. Yeah, 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 the the really expensive series that that I can't quite afford yet. So if y'all want to send me some, go ahead and send them on, and we'll we'll get them on the show. Yeah, we'd like to not talk about it hypothetically. Yeah. So yeah. Um. 
yeah, as far as this goes, I was in the humidor before I came here, actually, and I, I picked up three or four cigars, and that was, I kind of had a, a crap day at work today, and just in my head all day, and I was like, you know what, I need a cigar that I, I can smoke a long time on, and I don't have to think about. And so I saw this, the banding was great, the construction looks great, the, the so overall it's a very appealing cigar, so I splurged and got it, and it's, I mean, I'll give it a three, you know. <coughs> Cool. Uh, so the uh, stick that I brought tonight was uh, from Nova. Uh, this is uh, a this was a PCA release. That's this the is the yep the Trappist One G is uh, the stick that I I decided to enjoy tonight. Um, this was a I you know, this is an interesting brand. It's a, a female female yeah. uh, CEO. Um, if I mispronounce her name, I'm sorry. It's uh, Lenore uh, Abzaradel. Um, yeah. So uh, she was very sweet at the PCA. She was. I enjoyed the conversation. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. Um, yeah. But you know, this is part of the Trappist One system itself, and uh, there are uh, several different ones. There's another one that is like the Five Burrows um, yeah. that they had. Uh, another interesting stick, very different than this one. Um, the uh, the makeup of this cigar is. I'm looking it up here. I knew I would get it wrong. Um, is it's from uh, Terra Nova Cigar Factory in Santiago, Dominican Republic. So this is a DR stick. And I'm getting to the filler binder at one point in time. So I know that the wrapper uh, is a beautiful Habano 2000 Oscura wrapper. Um, you know, kind of interesting. I, I, I think I was expecting something a bit more abrasive um, from just what I had read about this previously and it wasn't it was really quite well balanced um i had you know some interesting uh you know construction issues the the ash on this was just like flaking all over the place and you know i've been smoking it very consistently i'm not a huffer and puffer to you know overstoke the the tobacco itself but that was the only thing that i noticed from a construction perspective um I really like this wrapper a lot. I don't, I'm probably, this would be a one and done for me. I probably would not go back to this stick, but I'm glad I enjoyed it tonight. Um, I think from our one to five scale, this is a solid three for me as well. <coughs> Nate, what'd you bring tonight yeah, and why? So I happen to bring the same thing that Barger's smoking, ah. but a different size. Um, so yeah, the Matapa from Foundation, it's the, their newest line, regular production. It's a, uh, Sumatra wrapper with a Connecticut broadleaf binder and then Nicaraguan fillers. Uh, this cigar also comes in uh, Claro or Maduro. Uh, I think you, you're smoking the Maduro too, Mike. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm smoking the Maduro and I've had a couple of these and I've really come to love this cigar. Um, it, it's got a lot of rich characteristic to it. And I almost get, I just get a lot of flavor that I don't get from a lot of other things off this cigar so i i've come to really like them so far and it's it's up there for me and my my upcoming favorites uh it's still a little too new to to know but I, i've really enjoyed this one hmm. uh what's your rating on that stick uh we're going out of five right uh -huh. I, I put it at a four right hmm. now out of five all right yeah <laughs> i don't know if we're gonna stick with that with our ongoing uh sound clip for four but hey we're up in the ratings to five so i'm happy yeah so i did manage to find the wrapper and filler for my stick from nova again this was the trappist 1g uh just to remind you it's ecuadorian habano 2000 squirrel wrapper it's a dominican uh binder and a pennsylvania broadleaf filler so that's an interesting combo i think that's probably what tamed this you know yeah uh i guess i was thinking this is a dr stick it's going to be a spice bomb and it wasn't at all. So interesting combo. Um, well, I thought that was uh, interesting. All the sticks that we, you know, decided to to bring tonight. We need to talk to each other in advance. Yeah. So um, that just, you know, you guys wanted the humidor. I went to the bag. Yeah, I, I think I think Mike and Nate actually did some colluding because you know, no collusion. There's yeah. no collusion. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, thought that we would. Uh, talk about some other things that kind of captured you know our attention from an industry you know perspective Barger. i mean i'm all in on on 
my new cutter. Oh. Um, I I can't say enough about it. There's a local guy here that makes uh, knives, and he's just started out making cigar knives now. Cutter slash weapon. Yeah, cutter slash weapon, and it is sharp. Yeah. <laughs> Don't toss it to your friend. Hand yeah. it to them gingerly. That's a safety tip, boys and girls. Yeah, his uh, his company is X I I I Knives. Um, Roman numeral thirteen, so thirteen knives. Okay. Um, his I'm- name's Robert Cordner. He's a great dude. Uh, we actually used to live together when I first moved to town. Hmm. I had a house with a bunch of dudes, and he was one of them. And and we've just been friends. And you know, he was he was a pipe guy for the longest time. Does he know how to load a dab pipe? Uh, no, but I'll <laughs> teach him. I'll teach him how. <laughs> um, Feel the video coming on. That's right. That's right. I almost was gonna say. I'm smoking a dab when you ask me what I'm smoking. Oh, nice. <laughs> this is a local grill dab. It's real nice. It's real mellow. It's got the terpenes. Huh. Uh, yeah. But anyway, and and I've got one of his um oh template cigar cutters from this first run of them. Um Whatever you call them, I can't think of the name right now. But prototype, uh, yeah, prototype. Thank you. That's the word. Yeah, words are hard today. Um, Benjamin actually has one of the bulldogs, and one of the ones that you have is also one of the prototypes. Hey, and don't leave me out. And Nate's I, got one. You don't even know what I have. What do you I got? have the first ever left-handed model he made. Ooh, mm. let's see it. Pull it I, out. It's at my house. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, well, oh. wow, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wink, wink at my house. Yeah. Hmm. yeah anyway it, and it's just been awesome um it's it, it's more heavier than most knife cigar cutters that you would think you actually feel like you have a knife in your hand it's a very unique uh you know cutting instrument you know and i think that's what kind of stuck out to me was it's just not like anything else that you you know would normally use and um I would say the one tip for that particular cutter is make sure it is sharp. Otherwise, it is going to tear your wrapper. And yeah. uh, and I've noticed as there was a, a few spots on my particular knife that had become dull. And, you know, he sharpened it up and boom, and, you know, it was right back. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He warranties all of his products. So if it gets dull, you ship it to him and he'll sharpen it and send it back to you. It's fantastic. I've got nothing but great things to say about it, but that's this year, you know, it's one of the, uh, I got it early, early this year, like January. I really thought the topic you were going to pounce on is nobody brought out a brand new petite Lancero. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, we were talking about that earlier and there's only so many skinny monsters you can smoke. I'll (laughs) smoke them all. Pete, just send me a box of every petite Lancero and I'll be happy with that. Seriously. When was the last time you saw a new petite (sighs) Lancero? Everybody always does a a Robusto and a Toro size, you know, that Alucione Habano comes on a petite Lancero, doesn't it? It does. Hey, it's not a petite Lancero, but that girl's gun gold. It's a great Lancero. Yeah, that is a great Lancero. That from Caldwell? Yeah. Man, that thing's awesome. Hmm. Caldwell's making Lanceros, and I'm here for it. It doesn't have to be a petite Lancero. Full Lancero, let's go. I'm down. Benjamin, any other topics cap- capture your attention? So I've, I've been on more of a like uh, uh, an homage to the to the best lighting method and technique for cigars. The barter oh, method. The barter right? method yeah, options. whatever, dude. I, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> trademark. Yeah, trademark that all you want to. But I'm pretty sure somebody's done that before. So bearing, Needs so more ink. Putting yeah. your torch right. as close as, cl- as you possibly yeah, I can. I mean, I've been using the stovetop, honestly. Yeah, right? Just like yeah, lighting yeah. it straight from the eye of the stove. And this is... I'm kidding, obviously. Um, but I've actually... had kind with of, your hash? Yeah, 100%. Uh, and... And and the knife hits right so right, um, but I, I've recently been down a rabbit hole on uh, lighting techniques and like preferred lighting methods and stuff like that right because I've uh, the the way that I was taught uh, was to toast but then also to like try as hard as you possibly can to never come in contact directly with flame to tobacco um, and and there's a couple of ways to. I'm just gonna say the toast is a sham, hmm. I, and I think so too. You're wrong, I'm gonna, sir. Right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, you're charring your tobacco, bro. Char <laughs> if you if you if you if you toast it with some form of soft flame or cedar, sure. 
But I, I, it's like I tell people, only thing I remember from Bring chemistry. Bring the heat, not the flame. Right. Chemistry class, blue flame is hottest. So, I mean, you're burn, putting that torch as hot as you can to your most precious prized flavor cigar that you want to smoke. But you're and not then, putting that part of the flame. I'm not. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the heat you get, the amount of heat you get off a torch, you can be two to three inches off of it. But if you actually have any sort of the blue flame hitting your cigar. Well, for sure. I would say that you're going to char. And but that's you're where in thermodynamic territory there. What? Yeah. <laughs> thermodynamics, man. Heat you know. and how things expand and how yeah. things char. Yeah. Wow. yeah. What, what? Barger, are you allowed to use those big uh, words? I know. <laughs> I was a little shocked. I'm sorry. That was a little bit of shock. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure smart, that Barger, your operating instruction yeah, lights his with so, the man. benzomatic yeah, propane don't, torch. Don't so. let the ink on my nose fool you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so, you know, just like, um, you know, so like what I'll find myself normally doing is if I'm in a, if I'm in an atmosphere where I need like the windproof resistance of a torch, like if I'm smoking outside or something like that, then that's where I'll use it. But if I'm indoors now, you'll probably find me with a match, probably find me with a piece of cedar, right? And and going, like you were saying, they like full combustion. I've even seen, um, I, I worked at a, a cigar bar for a little time and the, the art of like lighting a cigar for someone uh, was something that I wasn't, necessarily privy to previous to that because i'd always kind of done that for myself but like bringing the cigar to the point of it being smokable from the first puff uh i think is something that's that's super cool and not necessarily like stoking that fire to get it lit um and so i've been practicing that method recently and have gone from like a triple flame super awesome torch like down to probably like a single flame a soft flame if i can absolutely you know get that into the mix is my preferred method of, of lighting currently and going to having that cigar kind of fully lit before I take the first puff has been very, very enjoyable. So going ahead and, and kind of getting the end of it cherry red, you get that nice symmetrical burn uh, across the entire foot of the cigar uh, and then starting your smoking experience from there has been uh, a, a turning point for me. I, I, you know, I dare I bring up like the neck pour out of a bottle, right? But like this is something for me that actually <laughs> makes a difference. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 just a second. I wish to register a complaint. Yes, do not use the words neck pour. I'm, oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I just want to make sure we're on the same page oh, there, obviously. right? Um, the but yeah, it, yeah, it's it's one of those things um, where you know just kind of. Being introduced to this group of gentlemen here and really diving into something over the last, you know, six or eight months uh, and taking it from a hobby to more of a passion uh, has gotten, uh, you know, my my fire started, if you will, uh, about some different aspects of, um, you know, cigar manufacturing the the business as a whole and then and then the levels that there are of that enjoyment um, and and you know. Um, this is this is my hard opinion on soft topic, but uh, the the way you light a cigar matters, right? So so yeah. quit quit torching the piss out of them, right? Quit trying to look cool and almost burning your eyebrows off with that super cool seven burner Zycar you just bought. <laughs> yeah, right. Strike well, a match. Well, see, dude. <laughs> I'm using I use a single flame butane. Well, and the, but and the thing I I tell people is like I love accessories. I love lighters. I have all different kinds just because I like collecting things. But the reality is there is a butane ban in Nicaragua. You cannot import in cans of butane. And I will tell you, every all of your flav favorite blenders and cigar manufacturers are all lighting their cigars with Bix. Every last one of them is lighting, testing their blends, lighting it with a Bic. And so, yeah. I mean, I did is, not know no, that. that is, yeah. that is the big thing down there is everybody, every manufacturer, like I've talked to so many of them back in the day thinking, oh, do you use this lighter? And I learned real quick that they're literally like, yeah, it's whatever one's in my pocket. And it's like, I mean, yep. and so, but I actually love that in a sense of when they're making the cigar, it's not even about the like, Oh, like, did you use this thing or it's this simplistic. thing? No, it's just like, no, nah, we just lit it and smoked it. Yeah. But see, you know, to, to piggyback what you were saying, like, I understand 
the the getting the the charring the end of the cigar is not good for the cigar it, it changes the flavor of the cigar and it also makes it burn hotter and burn funny and wonky and all those types of things that we complain about but when you when you toast i think when you toast a correct way and I, when i toast a cigar the flame never touches the cigar it's just heat and then the heat gets to the end of it until it starts to turn red and then i'll cut and when I, once I've cut, then now I'm not pushing butane through my cigar and I'm not pushing all that gas that's expanding and changing the construction and flavor of my cigar. So now I'm, I'm actually getting to taste all of the flavors of the tobacco together instead of a charred end. Yeah. Everybody in Nicaragua is going, you're overthinking a burger. And so, that's possible. So, I, I, could very and, and I just, awesome. just want to think, think about this though. The term toast, like toast bread. Like to me, that Who doesn't is, love toast. I love toast, but that the Some aspect jam. That's not what I'm trying to have happen to the end of my cigar. Okay, you know I'm trying to get it I lit okay. as cool as I possibly can. Sure. Now are we talking temperature <laughs> cool, or are we talking ambiance? Well, you I know. think ambience. you know, yeah, you know. He's a cool you're, cat. You're a cool cat. Old Nader Salad. Old Nate. They call me <laughs> Nader Salad. That's right. Nate, any uh, any other topics you wanted to talk about about state of in, state of smokes? Yeah, honestly, just briefly, I would just say it's very interesting the pricing this year, um, especially from a retail standpoint. Um, cigars are costing more than they ever have. Brands that have never sold cigars over a certain amount are now. Um, and and I do think, though, that we're seeing that across the board with everything in our world these days. And there is, you know, massive inflation everywhere. And I will say it's definitely a little long overdue in the cigar industry. There's a lot of companies that really tried to keep their prices at a solid point for a long time. But it is interesting seeing people put out $20 cigars that you would never expect uh, and then seeing the $20 cigars put out, you know, $50 cigars and you're just like, what is going on? And so, but I also will say that more people are willing to pay for the quality these days. And I don't have as many people who I see complaining about these price changes. Mm. Well, I have uh, one more question to throw out to uh, close this out uh, on our state of smokes. Um, so, if you could, if I could grant you any wish uh, that you would see in the cigar industry for uh, the next year, what would that be? Hmm. Good hang, question. Hang on a second. So, so <laughs> I that would to all of us or to Nate, everybody. Uh, yeah. Well, I would just truly say, first off, more petite lanceros, right? And this is something <laughs> that people don't think about, but from a manufacturing standpoint that companies would focus less on putting out new product, but being able to maintain the product that they have. And that is a big issue these days, even since COVID and everything is actually being able to just maintain the cigars that you said you're going to be able to make all the time. And so I think that that, if we can be able to keep in stuff versus these new things that may not stick around, because of you know we just need to get some on the shelves yeah the humidors are getting uh pretty complicated to navigate and yeah. uh, you know i guess the vast majority of humidors that i've walked into you have three or four huge brands that take up a lot of space and then you have one wall that is representing basically all the rest and i don't know that that's really helping the consumer you know, in a self-guided way, you know, walk through the humidor. You know, I think that uh, there inserts, you know, the opportunity for you to turn to the person in the store and go, hey, um, I'm lost in here. Um, you know, help me out. And I know that Nate's going to say, well, tell me what you like or you don't like, and let's walk around and talk about two or three things. And you're not really trying to sell, you know, specifically through that. And a lot of people I find in, in the retail setting – they truly want to act as a bit more of a small yay and helping people just navigate, you know, yeah. through that humidor yeah. and not upsell somebody going, yeah. well, you know, maybe you get one of these, you know, uh, loose uh, cigars and how about a $50 coffin box? Right. <laughs> well, that's, that's something that I've noticed in the last 10 years in, in the cigar world too, is you've taken the people that are just pushing cigars and we've kind of weeded them out in the brick and mortar industry. And now we've got people that care about 
the industry and and what they're actually selling and so they're becoming less of pushers of cigars that that we don't like that they sell for cheap and make lots of money on and and actually pushing quality and educating folks and i think that's when you find a a tobacco store a tobacconist that you can trust and rely on then then you've started to find gold Hmm. you know Anybody else got an answer to their question? What's yeah. your big wish? Well, I mean, I, this may be like the uh, the the millennial in me kind of leaking out a little bit, but I'd like to see like a larger um, digital presence from the manufacturers themselves, right? And I think that I've kind of noticed this um, going through this like introduction to sips. Did you say more cigar babes? I think you just said more cigar babes. (laughs) But, um, well, no, just like a a presence of like an actual like home landing page for your cigar brand. Um, I I think a lot of them do a very mediocre job of of having that type of representation. But like trying to dive into these blends and and find um, a little bit more of that inspiration and, you know, like just a... a, a consistent lineup of, of blends and kind of what's coming next are, are very hit or miss for me. Now you'll find media outlets, right. That have had some type of conversation and like you can take the accuracy of that information, you know, as, as you will. Right. Uh, I think that we do our due diligence here and try to get it as much, correct information as we possibly Welcome. can you are yeah. not worthy yet yeah no fair <laughs> um but you know i, I there, there's not a lot of like cigar manufacturer websites out there where they have an up-to-date lineup on on what they're producing right kind of like a what's coming now how we got started where this inspiration comes from and and i think it's probably more on the smaller brand side of it right because you're going to find most of your major brands out there but there are some really cool smaller but i would consider well-known brands um that that could have a a better just kind of like uh digital footprint um, for for the average consumer to to get some of that kind of baseline knowledge and and get to get that that intimate feel for why they exist um, out, outside of a secondhand opinion. I think that the reason, and this is just my opinion, I think the reason that we don't see more of a presence in that aspect is because you know the digital age is moving forward. And the cigar industry is trying to stay consistent. Uh, well, I mean, n- I would say that's an aspect to of honestly, people just not knowing how to adapt with it. Right. Because I think some of some of the com- it depends on each company. Some companies you have that are still being ran by marketing teams of people who've worked for that company for twenty years. And like I did this when Nixon right. was president, it worked then, it's gonna work now. <laughs> right. Well, and I'll just say from a standpoint, I know several cigar websites where to me, like they they'll re- release a new cigar and then the next year they'll release a new cigar and then they'll release a new cigar. And then you go to their website four years later and you realize that the cigar from four years ago isn't even on the website. Right. And like I just can think of ones where i've seen cigars that aren't even in production anymore right on the way and that's where i think totally to your point because i get what you're saying i I knew where you were going not to cut you off but like i do think there's an aspect of it it is a little like naive you know in a sense of not knowing like if we had this there like even while we've been doing this you know i pulled up foundations website they have everything they put out every size everything but they're a younger, newer company. But right. some of these older companies, it's just like you have to work too hard to find out even the where the cigar was rolled right. that you're smoking if you don't know. And so it is really hard to to grasp that from a company to know what this company is about. Hmm. What's your big wish there, Barger? Um honestly, I want to see more chats episodes with some of these manufacturers that we got. Um I'm, I've really enjoyed the couple I've done and and transit trying to transition into the video format. So that's something that's one of my big wishes is to help move into that to help people understand the heart and the passion behind what they're producing instead of just 
pumping out cigars and me telling you about cigars. I want to know more about you as a person. And I think that that will help brands grow and that will help, you know, the digital age. It will help them come about, you know, be more of the face. So that's, that's my wish. Uh, so I've had enough time to actually think about answering my own question. And I would say at the uh, top of my list of, of big wish would be a better abdo- adoption of being able to enjoy cigars in a lot more settings. Yeah, I just really feel like that echo of smoking being banned uh, through cigarette smoke, that long, dull echo is lasted way too long from my perspective. Yeah. And I really feel like there are a lot of uh, on-premise um, you know, locations that have are missing the opportunity to carve out some space, you know, as a, as a dedicated, you know, cigar lounge. And I, it's, uh, I think it's part of, uh, at least the culture of enjoying these products along with, you know, other food or, or beverage products at the same time that I feel like is being missed. And so what was interesting to me in my trip to Canada recently, you're not allowed to smoke in a cigar shop. Wow. And that's interesting. You have to be thirty feet. Do you have to sing the Canadian uh, the Canadian, Canadian national anthem before you can light yeah, up? Yeah, oh, Canada. French. That's right. That's in right. French. In French. That's only in Quebec. <laughs> yeah, um, but but you know it, it's interesting because I went there and me and my wife went to the cigar shop and I was like, yeah, I'm going to sit down here and enjoy a cigar and and meet some locals and hang out like I do. You know, when I travel in the U.S., when I travel, I go to cigar shops that I've never been to, and I was like pulling out a cigar. He's like, you can't smoke in here. I was like, what? I think it's just that, you know, feeling like a leper, you know? Um, I mean, if we did that with wine or with whiskey and said, you know, hey, they can only drink, you know, these things over there in the corner, frankly, go out on the street. Right. You know, everybody would be up in arms. But yet, you know, the approach that we take, you know, towards uh, the enjoyment of cigars, you know, I think the big thing to me that's changed is the filtration um, and air handling systems have improved, you know, so greatly that it's like, I'm sorry, man, for the amount of money that you would have to invest to turn, I don't know, maybe uh, 600 square feet into a cigar lounge. It's not really that huge amount of money. Right. And I think you would wind up having not just, um, you know, people come in and smoke, I think you would gain a loyal following of people that would actually come and enjoy that space along with the food or beverage products that you may be serving in that establishment, yeah. you well, know, at the same time. Not to even, you know, dive deeper into that, but the, the responsibility of most cigar smokers versus your normal bar patron are, are night and day, right? I, I feel like Hanging out at, at the local cigar lounge or, or someplace that is, you know, kind of cigar focused, you're going to run into more people that are there for the camaraderie and the enjoyment right. of a smoke, a nice glass of whiskey, a nice glass or bottle of wine to share among friends, right? And, and well spent time as opposed to getting wasted and and firing up a stogie you, you know what i mean and yeah if somebody's going to come in and smoke a 20 dollars stick they're going to spend another 50 bucks on food or beverage in that same yeah, establishment. at least they're not going to come in enjoy you know two cigarettes and one beer and leave right you know, these are people that they're there for a good hour they're going to linger they're going to and it's an experience it's Lingers. not just you know Oof. yeah so I, I i really feel like there's just a a missing opportunity there. And I'm not talking about, you know, um, having a full, you know, open smoking situation. Look, I respect, you know, the lifestyle choices of other people. I'm not talking about we're there to impose our will and our experience on other people. Um, I'm not talking about something that broad, but I just think that there's, you know, a missing opportunity for a lot of places. You know, I enjoy a lot of the cigar lounges, you know, that, that I've been to, but I don't know. There's just like a huge gulf of opportunity. I feel like that's being missed, and yeah, especially in Canada. Yeah, especially in Canada. For Come sure. on, Trudeau. Yeah, do something right. 
Well, hopefully you've enjoyed our discussion here on the state of smokes and uh, some of the topics. We actually talk like this a lot more than you would imagine. And I'm also happy that we actually captured uh, some of these conversations that we've had here to share with all of your listeners. So uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Hey, we'd really love to know what you think about some of these topics. So feel free to drop uh, two or three ounces of dab. Mail it off here to Info That's right. Some, some smokes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'm sorry. I did that rather Attention quick. Attention, good old boy, Barger. You. Yeah. <laughs> Research and development. Yeah, Key R&D words there in quotes. Yeah, in air quotes. So, well, I want to thank uh, my co-host for joining us for this discussion. Good old boy, Barger. Thanks. Hey, man. Thanks. And uh, keep on smoking whatever it is you smoke. Yeah. Benjamin, always great to uh, hear your uh, contributions to our conversation. Glad to, yeah, glad to be here and smug them if you got them. Nate, thanks for always joining us and bringing a great perspective. Keep it toasty. <laughs> I knew he was going to say something <laughs> like that. Hey, this is good old boy Mike. Thanks for joining us here on this episode of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Check out some of our other episodes that are available to you. I'm going to ask you to keep on sipping. Yeehaw! We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening to us online, do yourself a favor and tap. Just tap it in. The subscribe button. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a room. The easiest way to listen to our show is to ask Siri, Alexa, Google, Uncle Larry, or whoever it is that talks to you on your phone. Play podcast Sip, Suds, and Smokes. We love your feedback, and you can reach us at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our tasting notes flow out on Twitter and Instagram with our handle at Sip Suds and Smokes, and our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. You'll also be able to interact with the thousands, millions, and millions of other fans on those social media platforms. Do us a favor, take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. Come back, join us for another episode. And keep on sipping. This has been a one tan hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.